Whoa, free boat ride for three. Now, who should I take? Keeve? Yes. And T-Pain. Cool. This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. Most of you know of South Carolina's Clogging Championship, the annual event which attracts a plenty from near and far to the wonderful towns of the Carolinas. But we are here to talk about Harbor Town Golf Links and the RBC Heritage, the only PGA Tour tournament in South Carolina. But the DFS train never stops, and the cut line is here to break it down, and we got a great show on tap for you today. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. Hello, Spain, Germany, Australia. Big shout out to Lithuania. Who else? Um, Mexico, Argentina, South America. Woo! Everybody. Big shout out to all our listeners in Cali, and let's give one huge round of of applause to our most listened to state of West Virginia. Who do we know there? Nobody. No one. But it goes to show you that the best PGA analysis is here on the cut line. It's only a matter of time before we get to all 50 states. Now, if you haven't been listening to the cut line, it's so hard for me to sit back here in this studio looking at a guy out here hollering my name. When last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! You might want to jump on board. Quick. Shout out to Wisconsin and my man, my listener, Andrew Gretz. Losing to me again, man. You can't beat me on the golf course, and it's obviously you can't beat me in DFS. But nice top 10 finish there, buddy. I love it. I love seeing you right behind me. And my man, Polizzi, man. Biggest Islander fan I know. Cleared like five grand this weekend. Dominated the Masters. Good to see him doing well. Whew. It's fun stuff. All right. Also, CutlineGolf.com is live with all the tournament information that you need. Course previews, core four, sportsbook wagers, my personal models, all readily available at CutlineGolf.com. It appears daily with new releases daily, hourly almost, just leading up to the tournament to help you build the best lineups. It's all free, man. CutlineGolf.com. Go there. Check it out. Only here to help you guys, just like this show is. I'm your host, Michael Kevlunas, at Lunas on Twitter. So excited to be here. Thrilled at the outcome of the Masters. I couldn't be happier for Hideki Matsuyama. Guy has elite approach game. I, it was fun to just see him happy, smile, celebrate. All that good stuff that comes with winning a major. Red somewhere. He's going to make like a billion dollars now in Japan winning this major. So it's insane news for him. 
kudos to him. Like, great game. Everyone saw that tee shot on one and thought it was just going to fall apart, but Decky pulled it together, kept his composure, and, of course, Xander helped with that triple on 16 to kind of just alleviate all that pressure. Nice showing by Will Zalatoris, too, this weekend. So let's let's get into it, though. Let's look at our good, the bad, the ugly for the Masters tournament. First of all, the good. Decky, we nailed him. Xander, nailed him. Willie Z, we nailed him. We pegged a lot of those guys in the top 10 range, okay? I'm not going to, like, toot my own horn. There were 80-some golfers in the field. It wasn't too hard to talk about someone who was going to do that well. But still, I like mentioning those goods. Masters in this, Masters of that 6K range was on point. And, of course, a big shout-out to Cam Smith. Dominated the field. All right, the bad. Max Homa, Bryson DeChambeau. Both were in my core four plays. DeChambeau, again, annihilated by the course. He needs a yardage book. He needs a greens book. He needs to study it like crazy. Um, hopefully, he learns something this year to where you know he can pinpoint his accuracy better next year. The problem is I noticed with this swing, and I am not a golf pro. I get that, but it's very stiff, and I feel like solid approach players always look very finesse, and he just doesn't have that. That left arm, that right arm is very almost like robotic. And he's trying to replicate swing, feel, and touch and everything of that nature. It just it just doesn't seem to work at Augusta. Worked at the U.S. Open. Don't get me wrong, but he could bomb it and gouge it. Doesn't work here. Hopefully, he figures it out next year. And, of course, Max Homa missed the cut, man. Really was excited about him. Overplayed him in too many lineups, especially when you consider ownership. But whatever, man. It's taking a shot, and I'm happy with it. I'm okay with it. I'll live with it. Now, the ugly. DJ. Rory, Patrick Cantley killed so many lineups, lowered that six of six percentage. I was shocked at how low it was, like low 20%. Usually that's upper 20s, close to 30, just looking at the master. So a lot of people fell in love with Patrick Cantley going in that weekend. And of course, he let him down. So let's move on. The cut line is here to bring in-depth DraftKings analysis at RBC Heritage PGA Tournament. We're going to do the best we can. Can <laughs> I like these guys? They're funny guys. Just kill one of them. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday, I'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside, sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And the goal of the cut line is to make is to make sure that not only is the grass green, but so is your bankroll on Sunday. Do us a favor if you like what you're hearing. Love the work that I'm doing. Give us a like, subscribe, give us a love, five stars, a comment, anything to help support the cut line. And we're going to provide you the best analysis and plenty of wieners and winners on Sunday. Of course, you go to cutline, uh, cutlinegolf.com and you can rep the brand. We are producing tons and tons of Cutline logos just for fun, just so you can put it on your DFS account, your avatar, and when you're winning... At the top of the field, everyone can see you and the cut line together. Fun times, right? All right, so it's Wednesday night. Resident Evil 4 is on television. You're building lineups. What are you going to be doing? You have no clue how ownership's shaking out. Do you need leverage? I know I'm going to be checking out Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com. And even with my own personal ownership projections, I know that a second opinion is incredibly important. The problem is... The ownership at Fanshare Sports should be your first 
and only opinion, a .91 RSQ at the Masters in terms of ownership. It's insane. It's insane that we are projecting ownership that well. So very easy fix. Go to fansharesports.com. In the discount code, when you're signing up, write the word cut line and you'll receive 20% off your monthly membership. It's ownership, man. Leverage it. Leverage it. Of course, give a shout out to PGA Tour, Fantasy National. Without those two resources, I would not be able to put my lineups together. But they are cutting edge. And if your lineups are ending up on the wrong end of the flag stick, well, you know why. Well, we're going to move on to the RBC Heritage Golf Tournament, where it really doesn't matter how long you are, but how accurate you are. Greens are hard to hit, and my, oh my, can a, the weather in South Carolina play with the golfer's head? Right now, it's not looking too bad, though. A little bit of wind, but we're used to that. Kadira's one here. Brandon Grace, Furick, Kucher, Graham McDowell, Snedeker, Brian Gay, Boo Weekly. These are names that have won in the past. Winners like C.T. Pan and, of course, last year's winner, Webb Simpson. The course is challenging, and the question is, what are the golfers looking at this weekend? So, Harbortown Golf Links in Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. First thing I want to point out, all right, there are tons, tons of first-time winners here at this tournament. So, make sure you're conscientious of that, that... There are players here who have never won on tour that could potentially put together a five, six under Sunday and come away with the win. Of course, unless you're CT Pan, who all he needed was a 77 from Dustin Johnson a few years ago to win his first tournament. Nevertheless, a par 71 course that requires accurate shots, grip it and rip it players need not apply here. Golfers need to have the awareness of their shots and need to be dead accurate off the tee to set up for their approach. If a player ends up off the fairway, the pro will likely suffer and struggle, as is the case with most Pete Dye courses. Harbortown will require a balance of accuracy, but length does become an advantage due to there only being three par fives that often produce the best scoring opportunities. So there is a little bit of an advantage for length there. But some of the small screens on tour are found here at Hilton Head. So the best approach players are obviously going to be the best plays or the players who are just dialed in with their irons that week. I can't stress this enough, but driving accuracy is extremely important this week. There's a massive amount of overhanging trees that could lead to massive troubles for any golfer that is errant off the tee. The winner here will continuously put themselves in the right position. And when he misses, he's missing on the proper side of the fairway. Pete Dye is our architect. We got Bermuda grass greens, the length of 7,100 with a par 71. Nine holes have water hazards on them, and there are 54 bunkers. Our tournament step meter is usually 11 to 11 and a half, which is slower than average green speeds. But again, these are very, very tiny greens, about 3,700 square feet with Bermuda grass overseed with Poana. So interesting choice here. Fairway hit is pretty easy. Greens in regulation because 57%. So it's very tough because of the small greens. Average temperature is about 71 degrees. A little bit cooler than the average. And our average winds are about 13 miles per hour. And it could get even windier. All right. Heavily treed. Wind is disguised because of all these trees. And how it can affect ball flight. How it can affect distance. So it's pretty key that these golfers have some past experience here. 
With scrambling so high, it doesn't surprise me that this course is one of the easiest places to putt because players are chipping it close. So putting is kind of a metric that we're not really necessarily weighing heavily this weekend. So key stats I'm looking at, drive accuracy, fairways gained, good drives gained, approach ball striking, scrambling, and strokes gained around the green. If you want to add proximity, you can. I'm not a big believer in that stat. I think it's it's kind of fickle and based on golfer's ability and everything like that. But let's move on. Question is, who do we play this weekend? These two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment where we will look at the top tier 11K range all the way down to the 7K range and pick out our favorite golfers, our best plays of the weekend. And we are going to start in this top tier with DJ all the way down to Daniel Berger. Dustin Johnson comes at 11,600. And I understand that if you want to play him, you can. He's coming off a miscut at the Masters. And my aggregate model ranks number 11, overall stat model number 23. The thing is, though, his approach game is off. And it was way off at Augusta. Can it be easily fixed here at RBC Heritage? Yes, it can. I would not be surprised if it is. But the thing is, 11-6 for a guy who's coming in with shaky form, I'm not totally going to buy in. If I MME this weekend and I've yet to decide, he will be in my lineups. If I 3-max, no thank you. Not going to be doing it. But I am going to buy Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay burned everyone last week. Okay? Because of that, I think he's going to become extremely low-owned. Um, low-owned for then what he actually should be. At $10,900, you are still paying a premium here. Don't get me wrong. But if he's coming in at 10 11%, I think he's a leverage play that you can obviously play. In my overall stat model, he ranks number 10. My scoring model number 12, approach model number 12, off the tee number 15. You've seen the course history here. He finished third in 2019, 7th in 2018, and third in 2017. So we've seen a vast amount of success here for Patrick Cantley. Of course, recent form is suspect. It's questionable at best. But in the last 36 rounds, he's 7th off the tee, 5th in birdie or better gain, and 6th from strokes gain tee to green. I'll buy that. I will buy that. Now, he is struggling off the tee in terms of like good drives gain. But again, it's a less than driver course. So I'm anticipating Cantlay to be solid. Hopefully, he comes back and plays way better than last year. Or I'm sorry, than last week. Looking at Webb Simpson, Colin Morikawa, and Cameron Smith, and Daniel Berger. Of those four, I love Morikawa and I love Berger. Morikawa played here for the first time last year. So we got to learn the course. But this is a guy who has elite approach game, okay? He's been scattering it off the tee recently, but he looks okay. He looks okay. But the thing is, of all the players in this range, he is kind of the silent, sneaky type. And I I don't know if that's going to last, right? Because I know the rest of my counterparts and and colleagues in the DFS industry are going to see how Morikawa's elite play here regardless of the fact that he finished at 64th last year, he's going to be highly owned. And he could bust up to 20% 
I'm willing to eat that chalk, but the chalk I'm not willing to eat here is Webb Simpson. I think that's going to increase. He is awesome play here. Don't get me wrong at $10,700, but he needs to finish top five in order to pay off. That's not unheard of. Don't get me wrong. In the last three years, he has two top five finishes at this tournament. He finished in 12th at the Masters. So we're looking at someone who's dialed in right now, has been dialed in all year, even if he missed the cut at the players. I like Webb Simpson. Don't get me wrong. I do. He fits this course. Overall stat model ranks number seven overall. Number seven. Okay. You look at his recent form. 13th in birdie or better game. 19th in strokes gained T to green. 15th in good drives gained in the last 36 rounds. But still, Webb Simpson's going to be highly owned. We've seen the success here. I'm not going to buy him. I'm not going to buy him. I'm not going to say don't play him because I think he, he he is a very valid play for lineups, but with variance, randomness, the fact that a lot of first-time winners come out of this tournament on top, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to go with the back-to-back winner here. I'm going to go in a different direction and go with Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay. And, of course, I'm going to go down to Daniel Berger. Like Berger here, I think he projects well. Actually, third Top three in my projections model for the weekend. 14th for course history and 13th for um, types of course. In my aggregate model, ranks number three. Overall stat model, number 14. But I love him my confidence model. He ranks number three. Burger, number three. After coming off a missed cut at the Masters. I hope it reduces ownership. I really do. I just don't think it will. So going down to the 9K range, you're looking at Zalatoris, Hatton, Corey Connors, Paul Casey, Matt Fitzpatrick, Sung J.M. The Terminator is back after a terrible miscut, who I bet in one last weekend. But we're coming off two straight miscuts for the Terminator here at this particular tournament. I have no interest in him. He's coming in at low owned in terms of this 9K range, so he's going to be your pivot. Like if you're going to go somewhere else, He is the guy because he's coming in single digits. The rest of them, all going to be double-digit owned, right? They're all going to be popular. We saw Zalatoris last weekend dominate, finish second place, almost, almost getting there in his first debut, the debutante at the Masters. Corey Connors, of course, chalk last week. I said to fade him, not this week. We are going to play Corey Connors. I like his odds. Paul Casey, same deal. And Matt Fitzpatrick, same deal. So that kind of like leaves Terrell Hatton and Sung J.M., Am I outs? Now, let's go back. Zalatoris. Zalatoris is an elite approach play. We've seen him solid off the tee. He can score. He can putt. We saw it all last weekend. 16th in my overall stat model, 5th in my aggregate model, and he didn't win. Okay? Since the API, 10th place, 21st at the players, 2nd at the Masters Tournament, the man is dialed in. Now, here's the caveat. He has never played here before. He has never played here before. The nice thing is, though, they give you a green book. They give you distances and yardage and the way things roll and play. So it's going to be so much easier to play this course than it was Augusta. Do I worry about burnout? Absolutely. There's a lot of stress coming from a Masters tournament to the next RBC Heritage. But he's young. He's young. I'm going to buy the Willsdale Taurus play here. Of course, Corey Connors burned my ass last week with my... Can't do a call. I don't regret it. That ownership was insane and someone was to burn somebody and it ended up being Cantlay. And in a lot of ways, Paul Casey as well. Even though he made the cut, he didn't help anyone's lineup to win like big money. It was Corey Connors that you needed. 
I don't mind that I faded him. It was a leverage play. I knew the risk. I knew how he graded out. And again, he grades out excellent this week. Um, in my projection model, ranks number four. Course model, ranks number 15. Uh, tournament similarity, ranks number 15. I'm sorry, course, he ranks number 95 because of two missed cuts. So we did see a 21st finish in 2020. So we're seeing growth by Corey Connors. Eighth place at the Masters. 14th at the Valero. Seventh at the Players. Third at the API. He's dominating. It's hard to fade a guy who's playing this great of golf. And my overall stat model, number one. Numero uno. Yeah, so we're going to bet him this week too. Maybe been each way that way. And of course, Paul Casey and Matthew Fitzpatrick. Very similar players in terms of like their approach game. But again, they're both projecting very well. I don't like Paul Casey as much as I like Fitz. And it's it's nothing to knock against Casey. He's been playing well, but he does have two missed cuts here, right? In 2018 and then in 2016. So he just may not fit this course. When you look at Fitzpatrick, it's 14th, 39th, and 14th. I'm going to continue to play Fitz, Fitzy. Like, I've been doing it all year. I bought into playing him last week. It really didn't necessarily help with the 34th place finish, but still... I wanted the shot, the option to play Fitzpatrick and hopefully get him on the winning side of the card. Winning side of DFS. I'm going to do it again, right? I mean, I, I'm talking about Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm talking about Matthew Fitzpatrick, who is the man looking for his first win on the PGA Tour. He's got six European Tour wins. Don't get me wrong there. One Asian Tour win. Tied for 7th at the 2016 Masters. Tied for 12th at the U.S. Open twice in 2018-2019. Tied for 20th at the Open Championship, but has never won on PGA Tour. This could be the opportunity. I talk about this course, this tournament being a blessing for first-timers. I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Fitzpatrick at $9,100 comes in with the W. So, that's going to go down to the 8K range, and we're looking at Abram Answer, Brian Harmon, Shane Lowry, Kevin Na, and Matt Kuchar. I have no interest in Tommy Fleetwood. I have no interest in Sergio, Harris English, Lee Westwood, and Billy Horschel. I get that least Lee Westwood had found something for a while, but he looked awful at, at Augusta, so I'm not going to go back to him. Looking at Sergio Garcia, he had a fifth-place finish last year. Lives in Texas, doesn't live in South Carolina. So let, let's let's get that out of the way. It's not like a hometown course. I think it was just one of those instances where he put things together. You don't need to be a great putter here to succeed. You need to be an elite, elite approach play. I like Sergio for that reason, if you do want to go that route. But the thing is, he he's just he's not fitting for me here in terms of projections. Where he does fit, though, is the overall stat model. He ranks in the top 20. In my aggregate model, number 17. In my confidence model, number 14. So I'm kind of talking myself back on this, Sergio, as I I do a little bit further research doing the show. But still, I think the one thing, and and we'll kind of share this and steal some thunder here from uh, Lee Aldrich, his course suitability metric has Sergio at number one. Numero uno, right? Single-digit ownership on Serge. I'm on the fence. Either I'm going to go play him, I'm going to go heavy on him, or I'm not. Right now, I'm changing my mind. I'm going to go. I'm doing it. But you never know. Find out. Cutlinegolf.com. All right. Abraham answer. Everyone was on him last week. Broke his putter. Or was that Siwoo? That was Siwoo. Anyways, long story short, 
You're looking at him on the Masters, finishing 26th place, 23rd at the Valero, 22nd at the Players. He's obviously figured something out, finished here second last year, has the course history after missing the cut the year prior. So solid approach game, solid at scoring. And of course, in my overall stat model ranks number four, confidence model ranks number five. So Abraham Anserm is most definitely in play as we move forward. Looking at his stats in terms of the last 36 rounds, 19th overall, 23rd in strokes gain off the tee, 23rd in ball striking, 27th in strokes gain tee to green, but this one I love, second in good drives gain. So most definitely going to take Abraham answer here. Now, why am I look, not looking at Fleetwood? The complete opposite reason. His off the tee game in the last 36 rounds looks brutal, brutal. And that's why I'm not going to buy the Fleetwood love. I do feel he is gaining some like, talk in the industry because of how he played at Augusta. I mean, he finished in 46th. I don't know what the what the big news is here, but I'm not going to be buying Tommy Fleetwood this weekend. Looking at Brian Harmon at 8,700. He fits very well in my model, 12th in my projections model, 26th in my overall stat model, 18th in my aggregate model. But again, a solid approach player, decent enough off the tee. You look at his course history, and it's very volatile. 28th, miscut, 23rd, 9th, miscut. So hopefully that'll reduce ownership. I doubt it because of the 12th finish at Augusta. He's kind of in the the category of do you want to play him because of the stress of the major weekend? And Harmon right now kind of fits 50-50, right? You don't know how he's going to respond. Finish 12th, best finish at at a Masters tournament he's ever had. So... It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Shane Lowry is like a thorn in my side. I can't get him right this year. I just can't. I mean, 21st at the Masters, I wasn't super heavy on him. I talked him up a little bit, but still, 21st at the Masters for Shane Lowry, for a guy who I thought was going to struggle a little bit more. Here, course history-wise, 44th, 3rd, and of course, a miscut. Average of finishing position at 24th place. In terms of my approach model, Shane Lowry ranks 38th in the last 12 rounds. He's not really a solid approach player. So I'm not quite sure if I want to buy Shane Lowry here in this 8K range, but still it's an option just based on how well he's been playing late recently. All right, so we're going to round out this 8K range here with Kevin Na and Matt Kuchar. Cooch lives in South Carolina, man, has a house. My buddy stalked his monstrosity of a mansion and realized that he could golf at Harbor Town whenever the the damn he wants to. Okay. He's won here before. Kuchar's won here. He won on, won on a chip out on 18, like in 2016. So maybe 2015. Either way, second place in 2019, ninth place in 2016, 11th place in 2017. Did miss the cut at the Masters. I'm, I'm fine with that because he finished in 12th of Valero. We know how hard the, the Masters can get. Now looking at Kevin Na, complete opposite, finished 12th at the Masters. Projecting pretty well in terms of like my overall stat model, number 54. All right, so that's a little bit glaring. That's concerning. Aggregate model, 48. In terms of the confidence model, number 27. So there is some hope and light at the end of the tunnel. All right, so let's go down to the 7K range. And this is where your lineups are going to be made this weekend. It's pretty straightforward, right? Not going to go all over them and talk about every single one, how good and bad of a play they are, but I do like Russell Henley, Siwoo Kim, Charlie Hoffman, Bazudinut, 
Ian Poulter, Chris Kirk, again. Oh, don't do it to yourself. Grillo, Grillo, Dylan Fratelli, Lucas Glover, and JT Poston. That is a list, man. That is a list, all right? Key highlights that I'm going to point out. Chris Kirk ranks number four in my overall stat model at this point in time. This is a guy whose course history is followed by two miscuts, a 55th and a 23rd, okay? He can play better here. He can. He has the solid approach game. Ranks number seven in my approach model. My confidence model, he cracks the top 10. Just do it, Chris. Just do it, man. All right, Russell Henley and Siwoo Kim, we all know their prowess. We know their ability. I don't know if Russell Henley necessarily fits this course, but we have seen success here. Two miscuts the, the last two years, but we saw two top 30 finishes. Siwoo Kim kind of in the same bag, right? Two miscuts, but then a second place and a 14th place here at the RBC Heritage. Both have decent recent form. Of course, Siwoo, 12th place finish at the Masters, 23rd at the Valero. We've seen some awesome play. He did withdraw at the API with an injury, but obviously he's past that with the way he's playing and the golf that he's playing. So he's most definitely a key play. Both rank 11th and 12th in my overall stat model. I don't love Henley as much as I love Siwoo Kim, but here's the thing. One of them is going to be higher owned than the other. And that's how you pivot in this choice. If Henley ends up being like 16, 17, 18% owned, and Siwoo Kim ends up being 10, 9% owned in the GPP, you flip-flop, right? You go to Siwoo Kim. If if those numbers switch, then you go to Russell Henley. They're both $7,900, man. They're both $7,900. So that's how you kind of play those two. I, I think they're one in the same in a lot of regards. But you want to get some leverage to the field. That's how you do it. Charlie Hoffman, man... Charlie Hoffman's always a tough sell for me. He's a solid approach player, solid fairway player, but he just, is he going to be able to finish and sustain what he's been doing, right? 10th place at the API, 17th at the players, 34th at Corrales, second at the Valero, right? And we all know his course history at the Valero. It's like his bread and butter where he always finishes in second or third, never wins, but so what? The guy's a solid play, right? If he has success at TPC San Antonio, I don't understand why he can't have success here. You need pristine driving, accurate shots, avoid the trees, be on the right side of the fairway. Charlie Hoffman, man, light it up. Do it right, all right? The South African, Bazudinut, I do like him here. Again, another guy who played last weekend, but... Didn't play as well as I thought he would. Finished 40th at the Masters. But you look at the course history here. Finished 28th the one time he did play. He is not the most solid approach player. He's not the most fair, like solid off the tee. And obviously not the most solid in terms of scoring. But the thing is, you did get a 28th place finish here. It's going to lower ownership when people start looking at these strokes gain metrics. And they realize that, eh, maybe he's not that solid of a play. Now, I'm not going to fade him. I know the talent that Bez has. So it it is most definitely like a volatile, dangerous option. But consider him. I'm going to consider him. Looking at Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter at 7,600. I feel like he's figured stuff out since the match play. And you don't have to be super long on this course. You look at his course history. Five of five made cuts in the last five years. Average finishing position of 19th place. I'll take that for $7,600. And of course, finished 26th at the Masters last weekend. Is he going to be a little tired, a little stressed for the old man? Probably, but not in that outfit, man. He's going to be wearing something styling and profiling. 
Ian Poulter. Okay. So, I avoided this as much as I can. Grillo. Grillo is one of those guys that no one loves to play because he always burns you when he looks so good. Here's one of my rules. I don't play Grillo when he's double-digit owned. Here's the thing. Right now, he's coming in at just 10%. If that number fluctuates by only one or two, I'll buy it. I'll buy Grillo at just that that much. Now, we all know how terrible of a putter is, but he has elite approach play. With these small greens, okay, with these small greens, I think Grillo comes into play if he's if he's hot, if he's on fire, right? He's going to be able to attack these greens and dominate with the short stick because he doesn't have to putt that far. Um, he's an excellent ball striker, excellent in strokes gain tee to green, excellent off the tee. And, of course, we all know that he just struggles with his short game, and, and, and that's something that's just kind of been what he's always done. He struggled around the green. He struggled with the putter. So if Grillo's on, he's going to have a great weekend. Made cut, top 10 finish, top 5 finish, maybe a win. We've seen that happen before for Grillo on tour before. But the thing is, if he's off, he's a high-risk play. He's volatile. It's not like his putter's going to come and save him. So he's a GPP-only play, high-risk play. I love him. I'm going to play him this weekend. So the last three here in the 7K range, Fratelli, Glover, and JT Poston. All three of these guys are interesting plays. They rank very well in my overall stat model. Okay. In my confidence model, they rank very well. But here's the thing. Fratelli struggles off with approach, struggles off the tee. But you look at his course history, 8th place and 32nd place, coming off a miscut at the Masters. This guy, if you're going to play him, he's a leverage play at like 1.2% ownership. You don't need a lot of him. You're just throwing him in there. Lucas Glover, on the other hand, JT Poston, they have the course history. Kind of love that I do like to see. Um, the one thing I don't like about Poston, regardless of cut history, I, I, I do think he is at risk here this weekend to miss the cut because historically he's not a great approach player. And historically he's not solid off the tee. But people are going to see those two top 10 back-to-back finishes here and assume that he loves the course. And if that's the case, well, I don't know if I want to play these metrics against that, but I'm banking on the fact that JT Poston does not love this course, regardless of the fact of how he's finished the last two years. Low owned projection. He's got a high chance to miss the cut for me, almost 46, 47%. So, That was fun. All right. Who are we not going to play this weekend? No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. This is the Cutline's signature segment, Can't Do It. Won't do it. The plays that are double-digit owned that we can not play. By the way, you can find these on CutlineGolf.com. Check it out. You can find this on the Core 4. I usually throw this up in the 19th hole. My can't do it. My can't plays. The guys that I won't play in GPPs. But remember, all chalk is viable in cash games. If you're playing that game, it's the easiest way to make money, man. 
You can play chalk and cash games. No one cares about that. We're looking for big money, though. Big bucks, right? So, right now, initial ownership run-through. We're looking at three chalky plays that I have no interest in. Robert McIntyre, Benny On, and Adam Hadwin. Okay? First of all, when Benny On is coming in at double-digit ownership, when he is coming in like that, you do not play him. You don't play double-digit Benny on. I'm, I'm sorry, you don't. Like, I get the upside that comes from him, but if he's coming in at 14, 16, 18, 20%, Benny on has such a likelihood to burn you as much as he does to dominate a tournament. It's a 50-50 coin flip. If you want double-digit ownership on Benny on, fine. You can be the 14, 16% that have him that are leveraging the field in your $25,000 entry, but I'd rather be on the right side here and fade him in that ownership, okay? McIntyre, how he is pulling off this ownership that I've currently calculated around 17, 18%. And again, this is the initial run through. I don't get it, right? It has to just stem from the fact that he finished in 12th at the Masters. And don't get me wrong, I think he's going to be a solid golfer. The 24-year-old is going to be an amazing golfer, and he might just be dumb enough to come into the RBC and and show these pros a thing or two. But the thing is, coming off a Masters, your first after playing as well as you did, no experience here at the RBC Heritage. I get it. We, the same kind of thing with Will Zalatoris here. The difference is the experience. McIntyre doesn't have it. I'm not going to buy into McIntyre here this weekend. He's a solid player. I look forward to playing him down the line, but this weekend, no. All right, and of course, last is Adam Hadwin. I'm not seeing the love here for 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 Hattie. Terrible in approach. He's okay off the tee, and you look at his course history, and I get it that he's $7,100, but he's not going to win you a GPP if he's finishing in 40th place, if he's finishing in 48th, if he's finishing in 30th, 32nd. He's not going to be in the optimal lineup. You need to get him top 15, top 10, top 5. I don't think Hadwin can do it. I don't think he has the approach game here to be that consistent over, you know, four rounds. So when it comes on Sunday, I think that's where he struggles. If he is in contention, he's going to end up burning a lot of lineups. He's got a pretty decent chance to make the cut. Don't get me wrong. He's got like, I got him calculated around 39% right now. I just don't think he can. I really just don't, don't think that he can. I, I think he can make the cut, but I don't think he can be effective enough in this tournament, in this style of play, to help your DraftKings lineup. So those are the three can't-do-its. Those are the three plays that are double-digit owned that we are not going to tackle in our tournaments and our GPPs. But the next question is, who are our monsters of the 6K range? Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut, miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut, miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> a monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. This is the MG Monsters are guaranteed the Martin Pillar effect where we will look at our favorite 6K players that we anticipate will finish 
am guarantee in the top 25. This player pool in the 6K range actually is doing us a lot of favors. First of all, here are your monsters. Here are your MGs. All right. Gimme. Doug Gim. Naismith. Again. Ryan Moore. Again. Chase Seifert. Kazire. Okay. Guys I thought about nominating for this spot. Russell Knox. Andrew Putnam. Hoagie. Bryce Garnett, who I love, by the way, in this spot. I just don't know if they have enough to where I can throw them in MGs. Anyways, starting with Gim. Okay, we, we've seen a golfer here who has lost favor everywhere. But this guy's at a solid approach play, solid off the tee, never played here before, been way off in terms of finishing position recently. But thing is, he's 8th in my overall stat model, 15th in my aggregate model, and 19th in my in, in, in my confidence model. I'm going to bet Doug Gim again this weekend. Potentially top five, top ten, each way it, right? Because at $6,900 at Vegas odds that are, let's look this up right now in the model, 125 to one, yeah, I'm going to take a guy who could potentially win this weekend, all right? Matt Naismith, back down to the 6K range. I love his upside. I love his scoring ability. Is Is he like the best option in this range? I think so. I really do. I, I just think he's just he's been dialed in pretty much all year, minus the two missed cuts at the players in the API. But finished 33rd here last year, so he's played here before. He knows what's going on. Next guy we're going to mention is Ryan Moore. Ryan Moore is a decent approach player. Approach been off recently, so there's a little bit cause for concern. He is one of the high-risk MGs, but again, finishing pretty high in that overall stat model ranking number 17. Um, guy I do want to mention who does rank high, but I'm not going to play is Jim Furyk. I just think he's too old at this point. Um, so you can play him if you want. I'm not buying it. Next guy I want to mention though is Chase Seifert. Chase Seifert ranks 23rd in my aggregate model, 25th in my overall stat model. If you look at Chase in terms of like recent form kind of ability, he is kind of decent. Okay. He's looking solid in my approach model. He's looking solid in my, you know, off the team model. In terms of approach, though, he ranks 39th in the field. Ball striking 46th. But where where, where he excels here is going off the tee in good drives gain. He ranks 27th in the last 36 rounds. So Seifert, for those little intangibles, does come and play. Again, single-digit ownership for all these guys that we're mentioning right now. So if they do get to that double-digit quality, I'll probably fade them. I will fade them like I am fading Benny on who is 6,914% owned like we talked about already. Okay. So going to Kiz, Kazire, um, this is another guy that is a solid approach player, solid off the tee, but has had kind of middling of like success here. He, he's missed two cuts in the last five years and has one top 20 finish with a 32nd and 45th. So we've seen the potential here. I saw the ninth place finish the Valero. Hopefully he can ride that momentum to this course and dominate that. And of course, Bryce Garnett and Tom, Tom Hoagie, uh, Tom Hogue. I, I don't necessarily think that these guys are must plays, but if you are dropping below that 60, $6,500 range to build your lineups, these are probably the two plays that I'm going to lean towards. If I had to pick anyone else, it would be Bo Hogue. Um, just ranks well in my overall stat model. 
We could go down even lower to Tyler Duncan if you really want to. Um, kind of similar player, decent in approach, you know, fit this course well. You look at both their course course histories, Hogue and and Tyler Duncan. Hogue's never played here before. Duncan finished top thirty last year, so we've seen the success. But their recent form is is abysmal. So that's it. That's it. That is the MG Monsters and Guarantee. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That'll wrap things up for the cut line and our analysis of the RBC Heritage Tournament at Harbortown. Make sure you check us out next week as we break down the Zurich Classic at TPC Louisiana. That'll be a doozy. Whew, fun time. I want to thank our listeners. I want to thank Fantasy National, BJ Tour. I want to thank Fanshare Sports. Make sure that you guys check out Cutline on Twitter at TCutline. I'm Michael Kevlunas. Follow me on Twitter at Lunas, L-I-U-N-A-S. And don't forget to check out CutlineGolf.com, the website, the free website for all your DFS needs. Get those builds started. Trust your intuition. Trust your process. Lots of green coming your way. Go and get them.